Welcome to Point with Daryl Jones, speaker and lead pastor of the Rock Fellowship Church in Miami, Florida, and president of Point Ministries. Our goal at Point Ministries is to point you to the Word of God, where Jesus is the point. Today's message is from the Living Well series, where Dr. Jones teaches about the spiritual disciplines that build spiritual maturity, which ultimately leads to Christ-like living. Now let's join them for today's message. We're going to be in Acts chapter 2, and I'm going to read a few verses from 42 through 47. And this is a passage about the early church at the beginning, uh, really the, the church's birthday uh, at Pentecost. And then what the Lord was doing right following, right at the end, right when Pentecost was, uh, when Pentecost happened, what the Lord started to do. The birth of the church, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property distributed to the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day, they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Today's title is Fellowship with Believers. We're all familiar with different types, different kinds of relationships. We have co-workers, we have associates, we have friends, we have best friends. And the nature of each relationship is predicated on the function of that relationship. Meaning your co-workers, most of that relationship doesn't go beyond the work, the, the employment. What needs to be done for that job in which you all are employed? Beyond that, not much relationship going on there. When it comes to associates, they typically come around when you have either a job, an event, a project, or a, another type of association that's predicated on an organization or club. And the only thing that brings you together is that said association, why we call them associates. But life is not really done with associates. Then you got friends. And sometimes you have friends and their relationship, uh, depending on the level of friendship, whether you're you friends or you best friends, or what we used to call my ace, or some people say my day ones. And day ones don't necessarily mean that was your first friend. That's just another way to talk about the uniqueness of the relationship. The, those typically go through different levels of how much you reveal of yourself, how much you share your life with based on the level of said friendship. Then we, we have family. You know, with families, what's interesting about family is we don't get to choose our family, right? You don't get to choose who is in or who is out. And, and you have shared experiences and shared lives in which you go about how you relate. Now, some of our friends get into that level of what we can call family because of how close we do life with, how much we share. When it comes to us being in the body of Christ, there's a paradigm shift in how we ought to relate to one another as followers of Jesus Christ. Because just like family is related by blood, I want you to understand something and hear this well. 
when you are in Jesus Christ, you are related by blood to everyone who has said yes to Jesus Christ. And the term that the Bible uses for this type of relationship is fellowship. Fellowship. Now, when we think about fellowship, there's a lot of different ways it's used, but the word that's used in the New Testament carries the connotation of shared life. Now, that sounds very different than what we typically think about church because most of my church folk that I know, I see them on Sundays, it's, hey, how you doing? We hug. But they may not know everything going on in my life. And I don't know all about them. We know only as much as we show on a Sunday. And yet, the Scripture speaks about this fellowship that we share, which carries the meaning and the strength behind it is that the call for those who are in Christ is to actually share life. Now, that's, that's huge. When we start to think about what the implications are when it comes to when you say yes to Jesus, it's not all about you and you dying and going to heaven. It's about now you belong to God and you are part of an eternal family in which you are called to fellowship in. Share life. I love this passage when it talks about the early church. Now, this, this passage really is descriptive. It's not so much prescriptive. There are no commands or prohibitions in here. There are no directives or imperatives in here. But it is interesting and it's intriguing and it is important for us to see how the early church from the very beginning functioned with one another and how these things carry through even the rest of the New Testament and all that is said about how God has purposed us, what his will is in us and how we relate and function with one another. Now, the first thing we got to know is this though, our first thing to you know that this fellowship, this relationship we have is centered on faith in Jesus Christ. This center of faith in Jesus Christ overrides any other difference we have, and that's where we always go when it comes to intentional fellowship with one another. See, in 1 John chapter 1, verse 3, he says this, What we have seen and heard, we also declare to you. This is the Apostle John. And he says, So that you may also have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. Now, pick up on this. He says, Because by faith in Jesus Christ, we have fellowship with the Father in Jesus Christ. So we have this close, unique, shared life experience with God. And he says, and you all, and this is the apostle talking. He says, if you believe, you have fellowship with us. There's this union that we share with one another as we also share with God. I can't stress this enough because sometimes we think about, well, you know, I, yeah, we go to church and, yeah, we Christians, but I don't really like them because they do X, Y, Z. Hold on, you, we got to get to the nitty-gritty. We got to get to the center, and we got to make sure everything starts there. Because sometimes some of the superficial things we may not, we may dislike or may not agree with or may not be kind of feeling, it goes away once we start to focus our attention on this shared experience we have that Christ has forgiven us and saved us and he is our Lord and we belong to him and he wants to use us for his glory. Out of that, all of the other stuff goes away. Our faith in Christ is at the center of it. 
And the scripture talks about certain things when it talks about the cost of neglecting these relationships because we are a new family. You hear me say this all the time. I said the church, the body of Christ is not like family. We actually are family. The world don't understand that because these things, according to 1 Corinthians, these are spiritually appraised things that we're talking about. The natural mind can't understand that. I mean, I'm going to paint this picture for you. If you have a, by blood, you, you born, you got mom and dad. You were born. Mom and dad had another child, that child born. You have trusted Christ. Your sibling has rejected Christ Jesus. And you meet somebody of another race on the other side of town. And they've accepted Christ. Do you know you are more akin to that person than you are to the one by blood? Now you sitting there like, man, you're crazy, Pastor. Am I? In Matthew 12, verses 46 through 50, Jesus is preaching. His mother, his brothers, and his sisters come trying to get his attention. They think he's crazy because he's portraying himself as Messiah, which his mama should have got that straight already because she knew who he was. But anyway, they think he's crazy. And they say, hey, Jesus, your, your, your people outside. And Jesus said, who are my mother and my brothers and my sisters? Those who do the will of my father are my mother, my brothers, and my sisters. He is totally, we want to talk about redefinition of the family. That's the true redefinition of family. Our family is found in Jesus Christ. We have been individually saved so that we can be part of an eternal family. And there's a cost of neglecting that. He says in 1 Corinthians 12, we are many members yet one body. When we fail to realize that, we lose. Just like we know when one part of one of our body parts not working right, it's a problem for the whole body. The same is true for us. It's important that we recognize who we are so that we can relate to one another, one another properly. Jesus talks about the priority of even friendship, but he even goes deep into what that is. In, in John 15, I, I'm going to read it real quick because I, I was going to just reference it. But he says, greater love has no one than this, that one laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Jesus focused on what the type of relationship that he expects based off even the example. He says, look, y'all, so I want you to understand what it means to have friendship with one another. Is to be even willing to lay down your life for your brother, for your sister. And all this is centered on following Christ and our faith in Christ. So what does that lead us to? In the text, what does it say? It says that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, breaking bread, and the prayer. Everything was centered around this common faith that they shared. But then we also see in the text, what did they do? And this is, one of, this is actually one of our core values of the church. We do life together. They did life together. You know, think about relationships thrive or fail based on proximity and communication. I say that because when we look at the text, we said they were doing life together and we see that they thrive more from dr jones in a moment but first during this month with your donation you can request your copy of youth matter kingdom development kingdom impact this is a great resource where dr jones teaches how youth should understand this time in their lives development 
as well as impacting the world around them to the glory of God. Go to daryljones.org. That's D-A-R-Y-L jones.org to give and request your copy today. Now let's rejoin Dr. Jones for the rest of today's message. Who do we, you know what we see in the text? It says that they gathered together. We in Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, and it talks about, he says, let us not neglect the gathering together as some do. And I asked the question, how much should we church? Because church just means assembly. You know, it don't necessarily mean a Sunday morning worship service. How, how often should we gather together? And I, the answer is, as much as possible. We're like, Pastor, why is it as much as possible? What, what are we reading in Acts? They got together every day. They got together every day. And they're thinking about it. It's like, man, I'm kind of tired of seeing y'all. Every day? Like, for real? We're supposed to come? Every day, so they gather at the temple every day to worship. So I. Now, what that looked like, I don't know if that meant every single person every single day, but what it means is it was a priority that those who were in Christ, they made sure they went to the temple every day to go worship together, and then they broke bread from house to house every day. You know what break bread means? That just means eat. They did life together. They didn't miss. They didn't neglect the getting together. They came together, and they, this all was purposeful because, one, they were centered in Christ, two, this is how they got to love one another and support one another because they got to know one another. I recently had a conversation with someone that moved here from out of town and struggling. And one of the things that they shared was they have nobody. They have no family here. They're a believer and they've never connected to a church. And I was like, man, that broke my heart because I'm like, if you're a believer, you got everybody. You should never feel alone. He said they gathered together and they loved one another. And notice how I'm using it. And when the scripture using it, when Jesus says a new command, I give you that you love one another. Love is a verb. So it's not it's not an adjective. It's not how you're feeling. It's not it has nothing to do with your emotions in the moment. What he's saying here is how you love is how you treat one another. Will you sacrificially look out for the benefit and well-being of one another as I have you? That's what Jesus is calling us to do. We only do that when we intentionally make sure we get together. And there's different ways to do that. You know, some of us we live in different places. We can't we can't all get together all the time. You know, I know that. That's not, that's, that's not so much realistic. But you know what we do? We try to create avenues where we stay in constant communication. So we got WhatsApp groups. We got Facebook groups. We got Instagram. We got all these different ways. We, send, we got email. We got all kind of chats, text chats going on. Why? Different ways and different modes that even when we don't physically come together, we're still coming together. We're still communicating. We do life together. And in doing so, Y'all know there's benefits to this, right? There are mutual symbiotic relationships. The bees fly and they, they, they suck nectar and they create honey. And then what they do? They pollinate the flowers. It's a symbiotic relationship. They both help one another thrive and they need one another. Y'all know that's true when it comes to us in Christ. Yeah, you think you're Superman or Superwoman because you got Jesus when in actuality you were built to function in community. And then you wonder why you're losing and getting, your, getting beat over your head and you're all by yourself out there and you've forgotten that Christ is actually supplied support and you're rejecting it when you reject the church. Now, there, there are great churches and there are poorly functioning churches. 
I'm not going to sit here and paint this picture that every church is perfect and, and operating accordingly. What I am and will encourage you to do is you get in your word so that you're able to discern what's happening in any church you go to based off where you live and, 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 and things, things of that sort. If you're moving around, things like that. But I say that, don't people, I see people, they're like, man, I'm, I'm rejecting the church. They say, I can't stand the church. And I'm like, if you say you're a Christian and that means you're a follower of Jesus. Jesus loves the church. So do you feel the same way about the church that Jesus does? Jesus died for the church. So what's the disconnect? I think you're viewing the church improperly. He said, this relationship we have is a, a network of support. And 1 Corinthians 12, 26, he says two different things. He says, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. He says, if one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. We are a network of support, and we also share in what God is doing. I love when you think about a network of support. Think about when you slam a finger in a door. You hurt. You, you slam a finger in a door, it's like your whole body gets involved. You, you, this hand comes to console that one finger. You know, your, your legs get involved. You start doing different dances and movements, you know. Your tongue and throat gets involved. You start making sounds and all in your tongue. Your fa everything gets involved. It's only one part that's hurt. It, that little part of your finger hurt, but your whole body is involved. Why? Because your whole body is connected to it and operating with it in such a way that they know when something's wrong and they come and help. Even if sometimes you put your finger in your mouth just to make it warm. It, I don't know why they feel like it comforts it, but that comforts it. Well, if we're not fellowshipping one another, we're not gathering together, when we're not getting to know one another, how can we know to support and help out one another when there's actually hurt, harm, when there's a need? Somebody out here struggling, and, and you got somebody in the, not only in the body of Christ, but you got somebody in your local church that actually can help you out, and y'all don't even know it. Don't even know it. Why? Because you've been missing the fellowship. But then also to share what God is doing. Y'all know in that Hebrews 10 passage, he says, one of the reasons we gather together is that we encourage one another all the more as we wait for the day approaching. Meaning when we, as we wait for Christ to return, part of our gathering is to encourage one another. Some of us, we've been praying for something and we think God not moving anymore. We think God can't perform miracles anymore. We think God doesn't care anymore. And then all of a sudden we get what I want our brothers and sisters and we see that we've been praying with them about something and God has answered. And it could be encouragement that God had necessarily told you, no, God said, wait. We have this network of support. We share in what God is doing when we're intentional in our fellowship with one another. And in Acts 2 passage, what did he say? They, they got together day by day. They ate together. They were worshiping together. It says they had all things in common, meaning when it talks about that they were selling properties and meeting needs, there's different ways of explaining that. If anybody had a need, the, the brothers and sisters there with them sought to help them out. Now, it said need, right? That, that's important because y'all heard me say this all the time. It's a, it's a big difference between need and a want. They made sure... Each other's needs were being met. That no one was lacking. This network of support. But then lastly, they were a witness to the world. They said that they had favor with everybody and God was adding to their number. Meaning they were functioning in such a way where people that didn't know Jesus, they saw it. 
They saw how they were loving each other. They saw how they treated each other. And they were like, man, what, what is going on? What is, what is this? They're like, oh, you want to know what's going on? Come on in here. Let me tell you about Jesus. That relationship and that fellowship that they shared became a witness to the world on how community and how humanity is supposed to function. It became a model. We're used to demonstrations. When you get a job, you go through training, you get demonstrations. You, 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 you're trying to fix something on the car. Nowadays, you can almost fix anything. You go on YouTube, get a demonstration. See how to do it, then you go back and do it. Y'all know that God has purposed the church to be a demonstration of what he wants humanity to look like so that the world can see it and live it out? We are to be the demonstration of how humanity is supposed to function. The problem is the world sees crap too often. We lift up the name of Jesus, and then I hate my brother. We lift up the name of Jesus, and we got our sisters fighting one another, and I'm like, that's not. And then, so we wonder why the world is confused, because they're not getting the light that God has purposed to show them. We are that witness to the world. Jesus says, the world will know you're my disciples if they see you love one another. It's how we relate, how we treat one another. See, this fellowship is, is crucial. How we do life together is crucial. That's why I say it's a spiritual discipline because we have to make this intentional so that we, in, we have to intentionally make sure we gather together, we get together, that we engage one another. Now, that can be uncomfortable for some. I know statistically, they say, statistics say 51% of you all in here are introverts. That means you ain't trying to get to know nobody. And, and you don't have to feel bad about an introvert. Don't hide behind your introvert personality, though. Don't be disobedient to Christ because you're an introvert and you go hide behind it. Well, God made me like that anyway. No, step out of your comfort zone because God wants to also show you something else. And for you extroverts like me, don't, treat introverts nicely. Don't be like, man, what's wrong with you? Come here, talk. Say something. Everybody be quiet. Listen, they're going to say something. Don't do that. This last passage that gets me in 1 Thessalonians 5, 13 through 22, he says, live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers, so he's talking to the body, warn those who are idle, encourage the timid, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. Hold on to the good. Avoid every kind of evil. All that he's talking about is in community. It's not, you can't do that alone. You can't do it alone. So we have to focus on Jesus Christ and intentionally fellowship with one another so that we may grow as God has called us to grow. And we can be that witness to the world and how God wants us to live. My old coach I used to have, he used to have this great poem and it ended. And he would say, the strength of the wolf is the pack and the strength of the pack is the wolf. What's interesting about lone wolves is a wolf can live for a while on its own, but they're pack animals. 
lone wolves, they, they don't live long. Why? They're more susceptible to danger. They're more susceptible to disease. And they don't eat well. And they have a shorter lifespan. But when they're with the pack, they live longer. They're healthier. It's something about the relationship in the pack that even when one gets sick, it rarely spreads to the others that the one that got sick gets well because they're part of the pack. We, it's, it's very easy it's very westernized for us to be so individualistic. I got this. I can do this. When God has said, no, surrender to me. Be part of the family I gave you, and I want you to thrive. I want you to thrive because if you're out there by yourself, you suffer. You lack. But when you're with the pack, when you're with the body of Christ, when you're with the church and you're connected, you grow. And not only are you being served when your needs need to be met, but you're there and you're available to help and serve others when they need it. Because others need to know what Christ has done in you. Others are waiting for you to do what God has put in you. You know the church, we're waiting on your gifts because God gave it to you. He didn't give it to me. So we're waiting on it and the church suffering because we're waiting on you. Don't be... Long wolf Christians, don't be long range of Christians. As we train in godliness, may we seek and make intentional our fellowship. Amen. Thank you for listening to Point with Daryl Jones. This was just one part from the current series, Living Well, where Dr. Jones teaches about the spiritual disciplines that build spiritual maturity, which ultimately leads to Christ-like living. If this ministry has blessed you, we invite you to donate to Point Ministries today and request your copy of Dr. Jones's book, Youth Matter, Kingdom Development, Kingdom Impact. Please visit daryljones.org. That's D-A-R-Y-L jones.org. Your financial generosity keeps us on the air and we are grateful for your faithfulness. And remember, keep making Jesus the point.